Hello everybody and thank you for tuning in. I owe everybody an apology. It's been quite some time since I put any podcasts out. There's been an awful lot going on. My own mental health hasn't been brilliant. There's been a bit of a crisis going on. But we seem to be sorting things out now. So we're getting there. So I thought I would make the next episode. This one is going to predominantly be about surviving through my previous relationship, which was what I can only describe as pure hell. Very, very controlling. She was violent. Just a bit of a warning for people. In this one, there is talk of sexual abuse. So if that's going to be triggering for you, it might not be a good idea to listen to this. But yeah, if you can listen to it, it'd be much appreciated. But as always, first of all, what we're going to do is play a song. The song is called Tell Me Should I've Known. The reason I'm putting this song on is more about the title of it, because this is the how the police responded to me when I tried to report her for the abuse. You know, I should have just known. Why didn't I just walk away? You know, all that kind of lovely, lovely stuff. Yeah, anyway, we're going to play that song first and then we'll get into the uh, the nitty gritty of it. This will be the only time I go into real depth over the relationship because it is causing a lot of stress. But I just wanted to get it done and get it out there so we can move on to bigger things or bigger things that are affecting the world anyway. But anyway, without further ado, this song is called Tell Me Should I've Known. It's by a chap called Victor Lundberg and you can find him on YouTube. Do search him out because he does do some really fantastic songs. Thanks a lot and I shall see you, or speak to you, sorry, after the, after the song's finished playing. Just like the winter snow Tell 
Tell Me Should I've Known and that was by a chap called Victor Lundberg you can find him on YouTube I will try my best to find a link to various different songs he does he does some quite good ones to be fair but anyway this this podcast is going to be about my last relationship I would say out of all of them this one's probably the worst there's no probably about it it was uh it was vile absolutely vile i will try my best to give you examples in all honesty actually looking at those messages um it brings back an awful lot of terror if i'm brutally honest i don't know if i'll physically be able to at the moment um nearly two years on and whilst things are a little bit easier now i still find myself in a, a state of what i can only describe as despair really but anyway <clears throat> it might just be better to just run through things and explain some of the things i can remember now i do remember writing a list out um so i shall try my best to find that list and see if i can just read off that instead because i think it probably would be easier to do it that way i met my ex in 2018 it was somewhere around i think it was september might have been august but anyway it doesn't really matter so yeah um 
So we met on a site called Plenty of Fish. I'm sure most of you have heard of that. And things started quite well. There seemed to be a lot of emphasis on things being equal because I felt things were not equal in the previous relationship. If you can hear my lad humming, by the way, I do apologise. <laughs> He's uh, chatting away to his mates online. Um, we've recently found out he is autistic. Uh, well, I say recently, we've known for a while, but I'm pretty sure um, it's definitely like a full-gone conclusion. Even the doctors are agreeing now. We've just got to wait for an assessment for him, but we also suspect he's got ADHD along with it. So, yeah, even though he's not biologically mine, um, <laughs> we do share something in common. We both have ADHD, but that is being dealt with. So, yeah, we met in uh, 2018 and uh, things seemed pretty good to begin with. Um, when, when we met up and we went out on the first date, we met up at a pub and we had a few drinks. I think all in all we had three, something like that. I think I had a pint and then went on to coke after that. Um, she had two pints and then went on to, well, I can't, I don't know, I don't know, but it, it was about three. And I brought the... F uh, she brought the first one, I brought the second one, and then she offered to buy the third. So I kind of thought, this woman's different. She doesn't expect you to pay on the first date and all that kind of stuff. And it gave me confidence that it wasn't going to be all one-sided and all that kind of stuff. In the process of us getting together, there was an awful lot of messages regarding how amazing I was, how lucky she felt you know like proper over exaggerating things which i didn't see as a red flag at the time i know now i should have done but i didn't at the time i would now i'd know exactly how to spot it now and it just um even if i was just a tiny bit concerned I'd ju i would just get out of there because the way i live now it's like I'd rather just walk away and not know than stick around and to find out. So yeah, so yeah, there was a, an awful lot of messages where I was amazing and fantastic. After two weeks, she was talking about, you know, why don't you move in? Because I was going to look for somewhere anyway, because at the time I was staying with parents. Um, and it, it did make more financial sense, you know, two incomes. Um, I could have afforded to live on my own. Might have been a little bit of a struggle, but could have done it. Um, and I'd say that really was my first biggest mistake was agreeing to move in that quickly. Um, you know, it was my decision to move in. Um, I don't think I could really say she made me move in. Um, Um, because that's that's when <laughs> that's when the emotional bullshit started. Um, very subtle stuff. Um, it, it was the start of gaslighting. So she kept talking about how much she hated the kitchen and she knew that I worked for a kitchen fitting company or a company that fits appliances in kitchen, should I say. Um, 
and I was capable of um, finding cheap kitchen appliances. So I managed to locate a dishwasher, fridge freezer, um, an oven, and these weren't cheap. These were really quite expensive. All in all, would have brought them brand new. Would have been looking at probably between three and four grand, I should think. Um, then over a period of about two months, because uh, I could only do it on the weekends because of work, um, we started to update our kitchen. It definitely needed doing. I mean, for instance, when we took um, the work surfaces off that were already on, um, they, they just sort of crumbled in your hands, so it's, you know, they, it wouldn't have lasted much longer anyway. So, um, during that time, um, she was insistent that she had to help, which I didn't mind. Um, two hands are better than one. Um, but when I'm doing something like that, um, I don't like people to get in my way. I just, you know, I just want to get on with it kind of thing. Um, and I realise now she was probably doing it deliberately, but um, she was constantly interfering. Like, I'm I sure I'm doing that right? And I'm I sure I'm doing this right? And um, I know now it, that was to question um, it was to devalue me, basically. Um, I know that's what that is now. Um, but also during that time, what was happening was um, the tools that I was trying to use um, kept going missing, like I was misplacing them. Now, I didn't know at the time, but I do now, I have ADHD. So, for my whole life, I've always been the kind of person that can put something down for like a split second, like even five seconds, and then completely forget where I've put it. Um, sometimes it's really funny, other times it has a massive impact, because it can make you late. Um, I go through stages where I'm just late to everything all the time, and then other times I can actually be almost on time, like just be a, a minute late or something. But, um, but yeah, these tools kept going missing, and quite often they wouldn't turn up, or they did, but it was days later, and she'd turn around and say things like, oh, I found them pliers you were looking for, they were in the toolbox. And I remember saying at the time, how did they get in there? I was nowhere near the toolbox at the time. Because um, what I'd do is like take, if ever I work on something, I just pick the tools up that I need. Um, and I've got a, like a, or at the time I had a tool belt, and I just put the tools in my tool belt. Um, it's kind of the best way of um, 
best way of helping myself. Because it means that um, I can obviously just put them in my tool belt um, and then I'm not losing them. Um, so yeah, I really, um, if I knew then what I know now, I would have seen it for what it was and, you know, I could have carried myself away from the house and she could have watched the smoke lift up from my feet as I ran down the path as fast as I could. Um, but this is the, the amazing thing about hindsight is there's nothing you can do about it. So, so that was the, the very beginning of it all. Um, things progressively got worse and worse and worse. Now, for so many months now, I've sat back and one minute I'm positive she was abusive and all this kind of stuff. And then the next minute I'm questioning, you know, was it me? Was I the abusive one? Because, you know, how could the police take you to court for something when there's no, there's no evidence? I think all in all they found about three messages that were a little bit questionable. And that's one I was speaking to her in, um, well, when I was texting, I, it was all in capitals. It's like a way of shouting at somebody. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty sure that's why I did it that way. But, you know, there is a reason behind it. She'd spent three days bombarding me with text messages for me to make a decision based on some financial difficulty that she got herself into but somehow it was my fault so it's just it's just crazy um and then there was one about coffee um basically i'd read an article about coffee and how it can have a serious impact on your mood like make you angry and you know, this this is a woman that would drink 15 cups a day of strong coffee as well. Um, so, yeah, 15 cups a day of, of um, strong coffee. And I'd spoke to her about stopping the coffee, and she agreed. And she did, and her moods started to improve and then she started drinking it again and everything went back to the way it was um so i was texting her we'd had an argument and i was texting her and one of the messages was something along the lines of um we agreed that you wouldn't drink coffee anymore um but you've gone back to drinking it again now on the face of it it did probably look a little bit controlling but when I explained it, um, both the solicitor and the barrister were like, oh, actually, yeah, that's quite reasonable. Um, but, I mean, those things were... I mean, it, <laughs> if all they could find is three messages from a relationship that lasted two years, I don't really think you could say that's controlling. They're just arguments. Um... And this is something I've been chatting to my current partner about uh, last night. 
and I've been going back through the messages between me and my current partner and it kind of hit me in the face that looking at the messages between me and her and looking at the messages between me and the ex um, the way I text is very similar I just I'm not using any swear words or anything like that because with my ex I was using quite a few swear words at her um, and <laughs> quite often in the messages between me and the ex um, there, there was some sort of argument going on but she'd always be acting like she didn't know what I was talking about and she was absolutely fine and you know there is no problem and just crazy stuff um, or crazy making anyway um, which again is is gaslighting and if ever you're arguing with your partner like in the house and you either leave the house to get away from things or um, you, you, you leave the house to get away from things or I don't know you go and work or something um, and you still feel quite riled up and they start to text you um, if they start acting like they don't know what you're talking about they're absolutely fine and why are you being like this so it's almost like saying being too sensitive um, it's, it's gaslighting and believe me it's not going to get better it's going to get worse so as difficult as it might seem you, you can't fight people like that you cannot fight them successfully you know in your own head what you're saying is logical and um, um, is, is correct and you're trying to be as fair as possible um, but they, they'll always act like they don't know what you're talking about and you know things will just go round and round in circles so if you're having that get away from the relationship if you can um, so as, as things um, moved on a little bit more um, after let's think um, after probably about three months in fact, no, it would have been less than that, about two months. I'd started to chat to my ex-partner about when I was... Um, ...going to see my daughters. And um, I remember there was one night she'd gone to bed early. I think she said she had a headache or something. Um, and just at that time, my ex-partner had texted me about um, arrangements to see my girls. Um, we got that arranged, that was it. There was no other conversation. It's not like we were, you know, best uh, buddies or anything like that. Um, but these things still needed to be discussed. Um, so that all got discussed, and then the next morning, 
um, when I got up, we were sat in the garden having a cigarette like we, we would normally do, and I told her all about it, um, and she just flew off the handle. I've never seen her like it, up to that point anyway, I had never seen anything like it. I mean, she was that angry, she was punching walls and doors and just, yeah, just absolutely crazy. Because apparently we had agreed that um, if I was going to text my ex-partner, uh, we were going to do it together. Which, I still don't remember that in that conversation now, but then again, probably never happened. In fact, I'm certain it never happened. Because I would never agree to things to that extent. What I probably would have agreed to is I would tell her, which she would do, which, I don't know, I'd say is pretty normal. Um, and yeah, I, I was kind of at first just kind of laughing about it. It's like, well, that's a bit ridiculous. I kind of saw it as a bit of a comical thing. Um, and I know now that should have been... You know, if, if all the things before that weren't a red flag, that one thing right there should have been. Um, but I think the problem is, when you look at stuff like that, you wouldn't see punching walls. Somebody, your partner punching walls, you wouldn't see as violence against the person, but it actually is. Although they're not physically hitting you, it's the threat. It's that is their way of saying, you know, you're making me angry um, and, you know, I'm going to move on to you eventually and that's exactly what she did. After a while, not that she stopped punching walls because she didn't, um, but it turned to me, I got punched many times. Um, So yeah, that, I mean, that whole thing right there was just ridiculous. <laughs> just absolutely ridiculous. So I found my little list anyway, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna go through it. So one of the other things I remember, and this was probably one of the most scary things of all, was there was a time we were arguing. I was stood at the top of the stairs and she was halfway down them. Um, she kind of, she'd kind of stopped to say something. I don't remember exactly what it was. I don't even remember what we were arguing about. Probably something ridiculous as normal. Um, but yeah, she, she was halfway down, she'd stopped. She looked up at me, smiled and then threw herself down the stairs. And I was stood at the top of the stairs thinking, what the fuck? Did that actually just happen? I mean, it was so unbelievable that I was questioning whether or not it actually happened. And I know in my head now, I mean, I can see the whole thing. In that moment, that event plays out in slow motion. Because I, I was stood there, and then you think about this, what would you do in that position? What would you think? Because for me, I kind of thought, if I call the police, uh, they're never going to believe this. 
So, and I think in the end what I did was I just walked down the stairs, stepped over her uh, and just left the house. Um, I know now it's, it's definitely the wrong thing to do. At that point I should have got my phone out and started recording it. Um, and I mean, something else that's happened very recently, um, about two months ago, is I was contacted out of the blue, which made me extremely nervous, by what is now her ex-partner. So she met somebody else after me, and he was basically calling me. I thought he was going to have a go at me or something, or it was going to be some sort of trap. But it actually wasn't. He was calling me to ask me questions about the relationship. And he wanted to know if there was a pattern, like, were there similar things? Um, and I swear to God, no word of a lie, almost everything this guy said, I was like, yeah, remember that, I remember that, I remember that. The only thing, I mean, I don't know whether she did or not. He seemed like the sort of guy that wouldn't admit to it, but according to him, there was no violence. She didn't hit him or anything like that. Um, but yeah, word for word, exactly the same. Um, but this happened to him, where she threw herself down the stairs. And um, he went a different route, he actually called the police. Um, and they, they actually, they didn't arrest him or anything. Um, he asked them to get an ambulance out to her. Um, and for him, it panned out okay. Or well, at least he didn't get arrested. He eventually reported the abuse to the police. And funnily enough, they said to him exactly the same as what they said to me, just put it down to a bad relationship. Just put it down to a bad relationship. So it's crazy. Um, so, um, one of the other things um, that she used to do was, surrounding bedtimes, is I had to go bed at the same time as her, whether I was tired or not. And at first, to appease her, I, I would do it. I would go bed at the same time as her. And then after a while, it was kind of like, well, I'm not going to bed yet, I'm not tired. And then apparently, if you don't go to bed at the same time as your partner, um, it, uh, it means you don't care about your partner and, you know, you couldn't care less about their opinion and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, but, I mean, I know now things like that were just done in order to gain control. Um, I mean, why does it matter what time your partner comes to bed? Um, you know, you, you kind of got to try and find compromise, but there was never, ever any compromise. Um, it was the same with food as well. We had to eat at the same time. Um, and if I didn't want to eat at that time, um, then she wouldn't, and she would make out like I was starving her. <laughs> um, just odd, oh, she, she'd, I'll never forget, 
it was always the same words. Um, uh, I've been at work all day. Um, yeah, I've been at work all day. Um, I need to eat. And then I'd always say to her, I said, well, go get something to eat then. I'm not stopping you. Um, to which she'd say, well, there's no point in cooking for one. Oh, well, yeah, of course there is. Well, if you live completely alone. And, of course, that was the wrong thing to say massively because then it was like, oh, well, I guess that's what you want and is it you want me to live on my own? Like, no. I'm just pointing out that there is every point in cooking for one, even if you just put yourself some toast in or something. But anyway, um, so yeah, if, if I didn't want to eat and she did, or if I wasn't ready to eat at that time as she was, then um, that meant I was trying to starve her and yet again didn't care apparently. Um, so another thing she used to do, and this was getting on a little bit further now, um, we brought a car together. Um, it was my car that was traded in, of course, because uh, hers was her other one was still on finance. She had she didn't have much longer left to pay on it, but she had a bit of time. Um, Um, but yeah, my car was used as, as full deposit um, because apparently her car was on its last legs and to be fair, there was all sorts of warning lights on the dashboard um, so I kind of brought it um, and the agreement was we both owned half the car each and um, we would both make half the payments on it And for the first two months, everything was fine. But then when she realised, or I don't know, I'd say she more planned it this way, but eventually she started taking the keys away from me. And whenever she didn't want me to leave the house, the keys would be taken off me. It was her car. And if I went off and used it, she'd call the police and report it stolen. Now, amazingly, Majority of the time, she said this, like, face-to-face. -face. But I actually have a text message of her. She doesn't say it in the text messages, but the conversation goes something like this. I'm going to test your theory and see if you really do call the police if I'm not back within an hour. And she put, no, I won't do that. So my response was like, well, why did you say it then? Because you said you're not coming home and I'm devastated. Because I decided that I wanted to go and see my friends after work. And <clears throat> I'm not like some stereotypical bloke where I'd go and see them every night after work and, you know, sod her. Um, I do believe this was in uh, February of 2020. Um, so it was about six months before we split up. Um, so yeah, I have that in text message. Um, and this is a, another reason why I'm so eed off 
with the police because they saw these messages, those exact messages, and apparently they had no bearing whatsoever on the court case. Believe it if you will, but I can show you, well, I obviously can't show you because this is a podcast, but, um, yeah, I've got all of these text messages. Um, unfortunately, I didn't get the download of them before the police managed to <laughs> go through the first few months and start deleting some. Um, well, I say the police, I think it was the police, who knows. But anyway, um, Luckily, um, I'd ordered a new phone pretty sharpish after they released me. Um, so I managed to keep most of the messages, but I feel there's probably some very, very important messages, vital messages. Um, but it's too late now. Um, So yeah, I mean, when she would do stuff like that and take the keys away from me, it was, I just felt trapped. I had no friends in Grantham. I didn't know anybody other than her. Um, and I just didn't know what to do in the end. I couldn't escape the house and go and sit around somebody else's house or, or anything like that. Um, Yeah, it's... I'm sorry, I'm drifting away there. I um, love those flashbacks, it's great. Um, something else she did was something called stonewalling. Um, and I've got tons and tons and tons of examples of this in text messages. And basically what stonewalling is, is... Um, if you've ever had an argument with somebody... Um, and you put your points across... Um, Yeah, if you put your points across, something that emotionally abusive people will do is say, say, okay, I want to listen to to what you've got to say and talk about it, and we'll find um, compromise or we'll, you know we'll work out what to do. But they're just words; they're just empty, pointless words because they don't actually do any of it. Um, and so the, there's loads of text messages showing this going on, and. Um, it is honestly infuriating. If you try and resolve something with somebody and they're not willing or they just refuse to listen to your point of view, um, you, you can't... <laughs> you can't have a relationship like that. Be that a romantic relationship, a friendship, uh, a work relationship. It, it's highly abusive. It's highly abusive. And so she did it to me all the time. Um, yeah, the next one um, is the only part of this relationship where I won. Um, so I had a business. Um, not the most successful business in the world, but it kept me in a comfortable lifestyle. Um, I took this thing from, I got a £500 loan, brought some really cheap machinery to get started. Um, 
and by the time I stopped running the business about two years ago, um, I was turning over in excess of 40 grand a year. Um, but she always tried to demand that I would sign over either 50% of it or 49% of it. And the reason she said 49% was so that she could try and sell the idea to me like, well, you'll still be mainly in charge. It's like, right, I'm not signing my business over to you. Oh, well, I have helped. It's like, you've cleaned carpets, yes, and sofas, yes, but who keeps the money for it? Because you keep the money. You know, if you went and got a job with Tesco tomorrow, after a few months, would you contact the owner of Tesco and say, right, I've done work for you, I'm now entitled to 50% of your business? <laughs> it's just crazy. And right in the very beginning, I remember her complaining at me one day that she thought she was going to lose her job. I now know that she was um, <laughs> she was stealing from the company. I don't know how she got away with it, but she was. Um, yeah, she was stealing from, from the company. Um, she thought she was going to get the sack, but she made up some other excuse, like people weren't paying or something like that. Covering her tracks, obviously. So, um... I got, um, when she was telling me about it, um, I was working for a different company at the time, the kitchen fitting company, or the appliance fitting company, and I said to her, well, I don't need to do work for the uh, the carpet cleaning at the minute. Why don't you go out and do that? And, you, you know, you might find you only need to work one day, and you learn enough money in that one day um, to pay everything out that you need to pay, so your wages will end up becoming a bonus, even if they are you know, not very much. And initially, she said it was a good idea. But then, the next day I got home, and she decided to have some rant and rave at me about it not being fair that she does work for the business unless she owns half of it. And it's another one of those times where I was stood there like, are you really saying this to me? We'd only known each other two months at this point, roughly. And I was like, are you really saying this crap to me? Um, yeah, that whole evening, it was just a constant, just argument after argument after argument, just all evening, it was just a constant argument. Um, and she, she never could see my point on it. Like, Why would I just sign over 50% of this business that I have just worked eight years, breaking my back on, getting it, you know, a good reputation built up and all this, and you want me to just sign it over to you, you know, it's, that's potentially 15 to 20 grand's worth, and you just want me to give you, you know, 20 grand, because that's perfectly normal, isn't it? <laughs> um, but I never did, I never signed it over to her, and I'm so glad that I didn't. It's not really trading anymore, and it's now probably worthless. But I'd rather it be worthless and I still own it than she have anything to do with it. 
Um, tracking, she used to get my iPad um, and, and she'd track me. If ever we had an argument and I used to leave the house to, you know, go and cool off, she'd turn up wherever I was um, to just continue harassing me some more. Um, I mean, we talk about this in text messages, so again, I've got proof. I've also got um, an audio recording where we're having an argument about it. And even in those messages, uh, even in that recording, we're, we're having a discussion, a very heated discussion, about why she feels the need to always know my passcode. I couldn't have a passcode on my phone that she didn't know. Um, I mean, I had to keep changing my passcode. In the end, it was because of her, and I was just sick and tired of it. But... Um, one of the reasons that I had to keep doing it, um, which was more prevalent in the in the very beginning, was that there's a, a thing called GDPR, um, and it's all about how to keep customers' information safe. And one of the things that you're advised to do is to regularly change device passcodes and passwords, all that kind of stuff. And eventually the police tried to say <laughs> that this in some way was controlling. Um, I had to explain to my solicitor why I did it. And even then they were like quite skeptical about it. But the problem is, if anybody ever hacked into those you know, different accounts, um, I would have been in serious trouble I could have got a massive fine. So it was kind of like, I had to do it. But she always had an issue with it, and she never believed what I told her about GDPR, even though she worked for a financial company, doorstep lender, and she had to learn about all of this. She knew what the rules were. And if you don't believe me, go and look it up. Look up the rules of GDPR and what you're advised to do. It's just to make sure that customer details are kept safe. Uh, another one was circular arguing. Um, oh, I was never allowed to know her password, of course, her device code. Not that I really wanted to know it, but, um, yeah, it's... Um, whenever I'd ask her, it's like, how come you, you have to know my passcode, but I'm not allowed to know your passcode? She'd say things like, oh, I've got pictures of my kids on there. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa wait a minute, what? <laughs> What is it you're trying to say? Well, nothing. I've just got personal pictures on there. Ah. That seems perfectly reasonable, yeah. Um, but, yeah, the, the next one is circular arguing. And these are arguments that have absolutely no fucking point whatsoever. So, um, I'll, give you, I'll give, you, <laughs> give you an example, one that is probably the most memorable, because it, it was just so ridiculous. We went out one Tuesday. Um, uh, her, one of her older daughters was looking after the younger children. And um, we'd gone out to play pool. Now on this rare occasion, we'd actually had a really good evening. We'd had a good laugh and a joke. 
and um, you know we were going to go to bed afterwards, get jiggy jiggy with it, you know all that kind of stuff. But um, we got back and. Um, we decided, that's it, um, she flipped the kettle on and I was like, oh, I'll roll as a fag then, we'll go outside, have a fag and go to bed if you want. To which she agreed and then finished rolling the fags and she was making the drinks and I went outside and started smoking mine and I don't know what it was, whether it was because I'd gone outside without her or what, but she just turned. She went from being dead happy and like being nice and all that to what I can only describe as like the spawn of Satan because she, she came out and it's like she just wanted to find something to complain about just anything she could and for her it was we don't spend enough time together to which my reply was you know I get up in the morning I go to work I come home don't go anywhere else we stand in the kitchen most nights most nights every night talking to one another um, and then when we haven't got the kids you know we're going out you know we'll go clubbing or we'll go to a pub or something but apparently we still weren't spending enough time together it's like all of my free time and not even my free time like my work time as well i do remember a conversation where she was like i make enough to for us both to survive why don't you give work up you know ridiculous i earn double what she earned so it was kind of like well, if anything, you should give your job up if we're going to go on that basis. And she could, she just couldn't, no matter what she said, I came back with an answer to it. It's like, we're already doing as much as we can. You know, if you want to do more, let's find a babysitter for an extra night a week, and then we'll go out on that night as well. To which I got things like, well, who? Like, well, I don't know. I don't know anybody in Grantham. It's like, you, you're going to have to find somebody. Because it was only her kids at the time. And anyway, I was getting things like, oh, so you don't want to help me then? It's like, well, all right, then I'll suggest some people. So I suggested one of my mates. No, because apparently her kids didn't know um, didn't know her very well. Um, I suggested my parents, but no, because they don't know them very well. Um, suggested her sister. No. Nope too far away, which she was right, it was in Boston, so it was a good, what, probably hour, probably hour and 20 minutes there and back. All of her daughters, the answer was no. But anyway, we got to a point in the end when I was like, well, I'm out of people, I don't know who else to suggest. To which I was then met with, see, you don't care about me, do you? It's like, well, no, it's nothing to do with that, it's just, I've suggested a load of people and you just said no to everybody. But anyway, it was, it was all my fault, anyway, clearly. But um, because she wasn't winning that, she then moved on to something else. I think it was something to do with my ex and the kids. She was demanding on, you know, what would happen when, you know, when they came over. And, yeah, it was just, it was, it was very bizarre. But the whole thing, there was no point to the argument because she could have worked out in her home, in her own head, to herself, you know, what needed to be done if she wanted to go out more, or that there was no point in having an argument about it because there was physically nothing we could do unless we had a babysitter. 
So yeah, that's that circular argument. I mean, it doesn't have to be an argument. It can be conversations as well. If you walk away from a, a conversation with your partner and you, you stood there thinking to yourself, that made no sense whatsoever, or I'm sure we discussed this yesterday, because I'll deny that you did. But listen to what your feelings are telling you. One of the best quotes I've heard recently is, a feeling is never wrong. That doesn't mean you're right. What that means is, You've got to listen to your body. You've got to listen to your brain. You know, if a feeling of sadness comes through or anger, there's a reason for that. You've got to listen to it. Don't sit back and be so fucking naive and think to yourself, oh, it's just, oh, it must be me. You know, come on. You know yourself better than that. I knew myself better than that, but I didn't fucking listen. But anyway, so <laughs> I don't want to go on for ages and ages, so I'll run through these next ones a bit quicker. So the guilt trips. Oh, my God, there was many of those. But the worst of all was guilt trips around sex. It's like, you know, if the kids weren't around, then it had to be, like, six times a day. And I got to a point in the end where just even the look of her, even just looking at her face, just filled me with disgust i just couldn't bear for her to touch me but yeah then then you know so i'm trying to keep it together yeah i, I can tell you in the staircase in that house there were 13 steps and i know that because i will never ever ever forget counting those steps on the way up them stairs And whilst I'm walking up there, I'm trying to think of anything, anything I could do um, to get out of it. And I know what some of you are probably thinking. Well, you're a bloke, you probably wanted that. I said, no, I fucking didn't. I'm at a point now where I can barely even be touched. I just, I hate physical contact. I hate... I don't hate sex, but I have little to no interest in it anymore. I don't, I don't know, it's just, it's hard for my current partner and I have to, um, I have to explain it to her a lot. Not because she's bugging me for sex, but because I, I feel bad about it. I feel awful over it, but, so it's, I kind of need her to know that it's not her, it's, shit that's happened and you know there's no support services out there for, for men there's nothing well i mean it's getting better there are things that are starting to be set up but the only support services there are at the moment are for men that are in the relationship if, if you're still in the relationship there is support there um uh man mankind initiative is a charity purely for male victims of domestic abuse. I mean, when it comes to that whole sex thing, um, I told the police all about that when I tried to report her, and according to the officer, and I swear to God, he said this, um, it's not illegal. It's not illegal to coerce somebody into sexual contact. Because last time I checked, that's, well, I mean, I don't know. It's either sexual assault or rape, I don't know. Again, I'm a man, so it can't possibly be that. So, so over threat. 
threats and what do I mean by that? An overt threat is basically something that is said that is clearly a threat, but it's not said in the way that it's a threat. So, um, give you an example. So there, there was a, quite often when there was arguments, one of the things that um, she would say is, if you leave me, just imagine what it would be like if, these aren't her exact words, this is how I'm, I'm phrasing it, but if you leave me, what do you think would happen if, if I went to the police and told them that, you know, you'd been abusing me and, you know, beating me up and stuff and, you know, you know if they believe me then um, you'll be stopped from seeing your kids and everything. And you know, if you and I were in a relationship together, just for instance, and I said that to you, uh, what would you think? You'd know it's a threat. You'd know it's a, like a, this is what I'm going to do if you try and leave me. But then they make out the joking and, you know, don't be so sensitive. But yeah, that, that, those things are lovely. So after we've been together about four or five months, I got home from work one day and um, she was really pissy at me. And I had to go through Facebook and delete any pictures I had on there that had my ex in them. Now I can appreciate that is a reasonable thing to say if those pictures are of you and your ex hugging and stuff like that. But I'd already deleted those because I didn't want to see them just after we'd split up. And the only pictures that I had that were still on there were pictures where it was, you know, like me and her and the kids together or her and the kids. You know, deleting those pictures doesn't mean that they don't exist. To be honest, I don't know why I smirked at that in the beginning. It's really not a nice thing to do to somebody. So, yeah, I mean, I think the last couple of things, really. So, in her statements to the police, she, she claimed that I na never gave her any money. What she actually said was, I'd stand there at the end of every week or every month, something like that, and I would count my wages, and then I would laugh at her despair because she was struggling so much for money. It was absolutely untrue. Um... And then when I went through bank statements and through text messages and specifically looked for areas where we had discussed money and specifically when I sent money to her and given money to her and by the time I totted it all up, just in 2019 alone she received just over £13,000, just over. That was in work that I'd passed to her as well. And in this, that same year, she earned £10,000 from the sale of uh, her puppies. Well, her dog had puppies, she earned ten grand from it, plus her wages. So in that one year, she had about £40,000, but then was still moaning to me that I should be paying half towards the bills and then I should also be paying half the mortgage with her for a house that was all in her name that I never would have had a right to. And I always refuse, so I guess that's another little win, I suppose. I always refuse to do it, because it's like, it's not my bill, <laughs> it's not my bill. And, you know, what if I end up paying ten grand towards this house to, to own none of it, to own nothing? 
I would never do that to you, she'd say. And I was like, oh, really? We're no different now, don't we? And the last one, during COVID, I was still going out to work when I could. Um, but she'd moved on to another job working in care by this point. Um, she'd start work at 6am. She'd be back by half two. So I was looking after the kids because they're obviously they're all off school and which meant I couldn't go out to work until she got home. But then she demanded that I be home by six, which left me not even, um, by the time I got to these jobs, it wouldn't have even left three hours. It was almost no point in going out to work. And I kind of said to her, no, that's not gonna happen. I need to be able to work the hours that I can work. And although I was saying that, I still try to follow those rules because the main thing that would go through my head is if you don't follow these rules, what's going to happen? She's just going to moan and moan and moan and moan at you and there'll be arguments for days on end. So what the police actually did, because she was saying I never gave her any money, they took uh, three months worth of bank statements from 2020 when Covid was like a big thing and um, they took January, February, March 2020. Now, business in those months was always awful. You know, it's just after Christmas, people aren't thinking about getting carpets cleaned, and the only ones that do are the ones that, you know, they've got money to splash around. So you always got quite you know, posh clients. But they're the only bank statements they collected from her. But even in those statements, they were showing that she was bringing in nearly double what her wages were. So I can't quite work out why none of them, why none of them looked at that and questioned, well, where's all this money coming from then? Because you only earn 1,200 a month, and this shows, um, what was it, nearly three grand. So some of that would have been, in fact, no, because we didn't start getting universal credit until the March. So anyway, there's some examples for you. Whenever I have to talk about her, even just for a little bit of time, this is how it gets me. I get really, really, really tired. There's uh, there's much, 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 much more I could go into, but in, in all honesty, it's, it's just too difficult. The stuff that I've told you, most of it is stuff that I sit here now and think back to and think to myself. It's actually quite comical, some of it. It's actually quite funny, because it's all so ridiculous. It's all so ridiculous. You know, I'll give you one, one other, and you'll know if this is happening to you, you'll know it's abusive. But don't fool yourself into thinking it's not and it's just an accident because they're never accidents. I remember I said something to her one day and she got really angry. I can't remember what it was. I think we, we were like starting to argue and I told her to fuck off or something like that anyway. And she became that angry that the 10 minute old cup of coffee she had in her hand made its way over to my chest. I had huge burn marks on my chest. Now for some stupid reason, I did not take a picture. And I wish I had done. Just the same as I wish I'd took pictures of the bruises. Yeah, anyway, I'm going back to a flashback there. Not a good idea. So yeah, anyway, I think that's, um, I think that's about all I can do today regardless of whether I'm happy with this podcast or not or this version of it 21 now um, this one will be going out 
once I've edited it and got rid of some of the silences and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I hope this has been informative for you. If you know somebody, whether that's a man or a woman, that is suffering at the hands of an abusive partner, then please, please, please don't give up on them. You have no idea. If you're not going through it or haven't been through something like that, you've got no idea just what it does to you and how dead you feel inside and how confused you are. But if you're the one that's going through the abuse, if you're a man, I hate to say it, but don't go to the police. They won't do anything. They'll just find a reason to say it's you, not them. Um, worst case scenario, you could end up in court for it, just like I was. And I think finally, if you are going through it, trying to kill yourself isn't the answer. Luckily I didn't succeed, and I was found before it was too late. But then even from back then, from that night, where I did try to take my life, the police used that to say that I had done that by way of trying to control her. So, and God knows. All I know now is that if ever I get to a point where I'm in that bad of a place again, the last thing I will do is call emergency services. Because the first thing they do is get the police out. And I think if I'm in that frame of mind, I think just their very presence is going to be enough to tip me over the edge. So yeah, I, th I think I'm going to end it there. The last thing I will say is that if you are in a controlling relationship or an abusive relationship and she tells you that she's pregnant, no she's not. Pretty sure of that one. Especially if she won't show you the, the test result, the pregnancy test. Because that wasn't confusing at all. But anyway, thank you so much for listening in. I realise that one was a little bit depressive. Uh, on the next podcast, you will be meeting Bessie again. For this one, I just wanted to get on with it. So yeah, you'll be meeting Bessie again and Chickapea. And I think um, I think her other mate, Lamb Chops, coming round. So that should be interesting. But anyway, as it once again, thank you so much for listening in. I will definitely get the next podcast out much quicker than I got this one out. And... Hopefully I will not be editing this for too long, but I just want to get rid of some of the erms and some of the silence. But anyway, do check out the song that I had up at the beginning. Um, I'll put a link up to that one and I'll put a link up to the song from the first episode that I did. For anybody that wants to go and uh, have another listen to it. But anyway, take care everybody. And whether you're a man or a woman, or a they and or a them or a pineapple, or a cucumber, or whatever you are. If you're in an abusive relationship, don't let the bastard grind you down. You're better than that, you're stronger than that, and I'm damn sure you're better than they are. So, anyway, take care. See you in the next episode.